All topics covered here are for conversational purposes only and do not constitute financial advice. Please contact Mulcane Co. to receive advice on all matters from one of our professionals. Welcome back, listeners, to the FS360 podcast. Uh, you're here with host Gavin Nash um, from Mulcane Co. Uh, and today I've got a, we've got a special uh, guest uh, in the studio. Um, I'm in the Geelong office with Warren Freeman, so good day, Was. Hello, Gavin. Warren's well known to our podcast audience, so he's a... Good man, been doing some uh, good episodes with us lately in our loans and finance division down here. But today we're joined by David Villarosa. G'day, David. How you doing? Not too bad. Thanks for coming on board. Now, David is a local real estate agent here in the Geelong uh, market, and today we've got a couple of real estate and home loan-based topics to talk about. So we wanted to bring David, an expert, in and um, find out exactly what you know about the local industry, and um, same with Was, of course. So it's going to be a three-way conversation, listeners, but... Um, David, can I ask just to start uh, giving us a bit of a rundown on yourself, um, your business and, um, and how you came to today? Yeah, sure thing. I uh, construction engineering background, built mines, power lines, uh, subdivisions, everything in between. Uh, IT before that, but that feels like 20 years ago. Long in fact, time it was ago. 20 years ago, yep. so we'll sort of put that to the side. Sure. Uh, real estate now for five and a half years and loving every bit of it. Always loved real estate and uh, thought I'll just try my hand to, to something I love and yeah, uh, here I am. Sounds like you've been in and around it over the years anyway. Yeah. I have, yeah. With subdivisions yeah, and things like that. I have. It, yeah. That was interesting doing that. Built quite a few houses in my spare time. Yeah. Um, physically built them and, and had a few volume builders do some as well. So quite a bit of a hands-on experience. Do you find, I think um, just my own real, you know, real estate agent um, experience is, you know, the guys that are a bit older got a bit of life experience. They sort of almost... They can understand a lot more about what people are going through when they're looking for a home or trying to sell their home. So I think having that bit of life experience or that fair bit of life experience before you enter the industry has probably been beneficial to you. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more because if you're looking at a home, understanding how it was built, uh, how much it it cost to build, uh, what it might cost to replace it in the current market. Uh, Astute buyers know a lot of the questions. The questions they ask, they know the answer to them. Yep. And if you don't, they'll they'll try you out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And if... And if they perceive that you don't know what you're talking about, that, that almost gives them a, a red flag or a white flag, whichever way you look at it, yeah, yeah. Uh, to be more aggressive in their purchasing. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. And tell us a bit about Villa Rosa Real Estate, David. Uh, like I said, five and a half years uh, that we, it's 2017 we started, and uh, we're a very small team, boutique business, digital only. Uh, we print, print very, very little. Uh, and the only things we do print are for the some of the older clients who want it. Okay, so are you talking about print advertising in, the, say, newspaper, or are you talking about everything. things like flyers and handouts at open houses? Absolutely everything. So yep. all of our paperwork, per se, is digital. All of our marketing is digital. From time to time, we will do print media, but it's usually on the client's request because they want to see their their property in the paper. Their house in the newspaper, sort of yeah. Yep. Interesting, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it's a, it's a great... Yeah, I, I sort of think... Um, oh, I'm in the marketing division here, as everyone knows, but you know, digital is you know just such a, a big... Uh, a big deal these days, isn't it? Even searching for a business or, as you say, doing business. I know here the accountants, you know, I've signed my um, my tax return digitally for the last four or five years here as well. So, yeah, yeah it's I think interesting. digitally is everything. It, uh, people have got their phones in front of them for two, three more hours per day. Yeah. Uh, so that's where we choose to put our properties, right in front of them. Yeah. So rather than flipping through the newspaper for seven minutes while they're waiting for a coffee. So. Yeah, which I think there's some merit in, in that as well. It's just not the focus of our business fair enough i think podcasts that's where they sit too isn't it you know this idea of having somebody 
listening to you for half an hour or 40 minutes like how else would you get that in, in any business you know so um yeah so look, hopefully yeah uh, we've got a couple of topics to talk about today david so what about what about personal life mate have you sort of got family down this yeah, way or first and foremost beyond real estate a, a family man it feels like all i do is real estate because i live and breathe it but i love it right yep, it, it is sure. my identity but outside of that and like i said first and foremost i'm a happily married man to and, and have two young children five and ten. Oh, lovely a new puppy this week so if i look tired that's why yeah um sorry this is no benefit of that but do you uh, know what's happened you've got out of the baby's stage with that five-year-old and then you thought oh, i'll go back into it with I, the puppy and i should start what again. actually happened is that i <laughs> said no for 10 years then i broke ah fair <laughs> enough yeah so yeah, yeah. Uh, the kids have been into us but uh, really good decision for our family yeah yeah a uh, lot of love to to give that dog yeah I, i'm a real dog i'm a real animal person actually yeah love are you animal person was absolutely yeah yep. dog had a dog and a cat lost my dog last year still heartbroken about yeah, that yeah yep yeah, they just become part of your family, don't they? Definitely. Yeah. They do, and it's we, we only got our dog on Sunday, a golden retriever, and, and it feels like we never didn't have her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like what was life like focus. pre-dog? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you've got to yeah. sort of remember to talk to each other as well rather than just be doting on the dog. But, uh, yeah, exactly. And it's so great when, you know, you're married and you've got kids, but when you come home after a hard day at work, you know the dog's going to smile at you when you come home. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They'll be so happy to see you. Yeah. yeah. I, um, my, my two are Kelpies, actually, so they... They need work, you know, basically. Yeah. So actually it's been really good for me over the last 10 or 11 years since we've had the two dogs. Just it gets you exercising as well. Yeah, so dogs can be great from a few different angles. Mm. Great, mate. Well, thanks for coming in today. Yeah, Welcome. Great to have you in the podcast. Um, we're going to talk about a couple of things. But um, first of all, we've got Warren with us. So I just wanted to talk about and ask about the relationship between you two gentlemen um, over that five and a half years. Um, and I know you work pretty closely in together. Um, so, yeah, I might throw to you, Oz, and sort of... What's your perception of uh, the relationship with David and Bill yeah, Rosa Real Estate? I've dealt with Geelong real estate agents for 25 years and many of them have become great supporters of the business, have become great friends and um, you know, we've got some wonderful agents in, in Geelong. Yep. Um, my relationship with David, um, he's just hit so many home runs for our clients for myself personally. He recently sold my office and got me the full asking price, which was a great job. Um, prior to that, he sold my home, he sold my son's home, and, and staff here at Mulcahy use David for their property sales as well. Um, I could write a book of, of really great success stories about David. Um, one that I, th- that I do mention to clients a lot when I mention David's name um, when they're looking to sell. We had some clients, um, you'd consider them Aussie battlers, and... Uh, they were excited because David got an offer of 550000 for their property and they were going to take that. David rang me up late that night. Typically, he was working at 8.30, and so was I typically, and said, I got them five fifty-five. Please don't tell them. I'd like to let them know I got them another $5,000. Now, that spoke volumes to me. That's David's ethics. That's the job he's paid to do to get the best price. But sadly, there are some agents out there. They're trying to schmooze up with the buyer while they're also working for the seller. David got them the extra 5000 Didn't mean much to his commission payment, but that extra 5000 meant a lot to our Aussie Battler client. And the fact that, you know, his love and passion for his customer, he wanted to give them that news. Yep. And, and that's one of many stories. So a lot of mutual respect. Um, his ability to negotiate is exceptional. Um, that's a hard skill to get right to. Yeah. I, could just, you know, I know from my own experience with, you know, running business and whatever, David, that... Yeah, that negotiation where you're not going to go too hard to upset people, but you need to get the job done. Well, yeah, it is. A certain a fine, level a fine of firmness. Line. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you've got to 
I, I say I like to cuddle people while picking their pocket, <laughs> and uh, and I tell them that. Yeah. And, and I think being, you know, honesty is at the forefront of what we do, uh, in our business, and telling a buyer that it's your job, and reiterating that it's it's my job to get the best outcome, and I will yep. take every cent from them that I possibly can, or somebody else. Uh, they actually find it quite refreshing. Yeah. And they have the confidence to offer more, uh, because you're just being honest with them. Yep. There's no games. There's no smoke and mirrors. Uh, but that is the job. If yeah. we break it down to one one thing, it's you know sell the property for the highest price. Yep. And working for that vendor, as you say, was yeah. Yeah. Look, names can um, stay out of this one, but I know of a story where where David sold a property to a family member of David's, and he knew that the seller would take fifty thousand less, but he got that extra fifty thousand from his family member. Now, that's a great example of working for the client when you're putting them ahead of your family, and that's ethics. That's yeah. It's not. It's not choosing when to live by a certain set of rules and choosing when not to. It's right. just picking a set of rules and going for it. So yeah, yeah that's right. And that's certainly at the, at the core of our business. Yeah, nice one. Great. Uh, good to hear about that sort of relationship. So, what about you, David? With with was I know with home loans and things like that, um, that can really you know whether a client's got finance or not can be a real big game changer with um, with a deal or not when you're selling a home. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Warren and I met sort of naturally through the course of business and I just liked everything, his energy, uh, his completeness uh, and his confidence. Uh, ultimately, when we're looking at a buyer's financial position, we're, we're assessing the risk of the deal going through or, or falling over. Yep. Uh, and to give our clients the best risk, we want to have the best information and, and I find that I can get that through Warren. He tells me very little, but it's, it's, it's almost a one-minute conversation. Warren, what's your degree of confidence? And he says, very high, that's enough for me. I suppose if you've been doing home loans for 25 years, you do have an understanding of what's going to work, what's not going to work. Was yeah, You should have. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, mm. it's not always the case. Um, an agent referred me a client last week who missed out on a property and uh, this week we've got them conditionally approved and they're now buy buying that same property again. They've had to re-sign a contract. But they nearly missed that property because that broker just tripped over in some way. Yep. Um, we've got the solution and they've now got the property. Yep. So it's not always how long you've been doing it. Um, you know, it's, it's just about really knowing your craft and I've got a great team here, I've got good support, um, 18 staff now, so it's a bit of a factory here at Mulcahy and, yes. and every day we're constantly assessing people's borrowing capacity from one bank to the other um, and that's probably, unfortunately, it's probably one of the failings in our industry. A lot of brokers will promote they've got 25 lenders but when you scratch below the surface they use three or four that they can keep up with my entire team keep up with the, all of the 30-odd lenders that we've got. Yep. Because each of them, as we've spoken about in the past, Warren, with uh, you know, other podcast episodes, every lender will have their specialities, what they're mm. good at, what they're not good at, what they'll, what they'll loan with, what they won't loan with. How they will lend. Yep. It will vary. And, of course, so most people want to borrow their maximum, so yeah, you've got to find know. that lender that will let them get there. And that's the idea of having a broker, isn't it? You know, yeah. We've spoken about that in the past, just getting that expert opinion on something. A bit like yeah. hiring an agent, a bit like hiring a marketing person to do your business marketing, same thing. Yeah. So a lot of agents will actually ring the broker to um, find out how strong the, um, the clients are because they don't want to lose traction. They don't, they don't want to go back to their vendor and say, we've got an offer on your property, subject to finance for two weeks. In two weeks' time, there's a request for an extension, that's so three weeks off the market, and then the loan's declined. And they've lost traction, the, their potential buyers have drifted off to other properties. Their client thought they were moving on with, with their life and now they've gone back three steps. So a lot of agents want to know, have some confidence that they should accept an offer. 
Um, again, David's ethics, he has never, ever once asked me anything personal about the client, and I would never divulge it anyway. Um, it's just wanting some validation. So I'll just need to portray, on behalf of my clients, because it's in their best interest too, this is a genuine buyer, finance will be fine. That's the extent of it. Yep. Um, it probably segues beautifully um, was into a couple of the topics that we wanted to particularly cover today. The first one is around the idea of pre-approvals. I know it's a it's a buzzword in the industry. With um, no no doubt, David, you know you'd be showing someone through a, a property, and probably one of your first questions will be, you know, are you pre-approved? Have you thought about finance? Because you know most most people don't have the cash in the bank to buy a whole property. So right. um, so how do you sort of tackle pre-approvals with with clients as they come through a property? Well, yeah, we certainly do vet people, sometimes uncomfortably, uh, and we do it as respectfully as we can. But ultimately, we're, again, trying to risk assess if they are wanting to, to make an offer on the property, whether sure. that's going to go through. So uh, we, we do have to ask those uncomfortable questions. And some people haven't thought about it. They're just like, oh, well, I've got a $900,000 house. That's mm. I've got equity. But they don't have a job or they're on mat leave. or you know. It, yep. So the, the question does come up a lot. Uh, if they've got it, great. But if they haven't got it, and I can get them in front of Warren Freeman, then I can get that degree of confidence. And I should just note that I, anyone I have referred to Warren or working together with, I'll always seek their permission to talk to Warren. It's yes. never, I never put Warren in a compromising position. Like, can you just give me some sort of information so I can make up my mind? I'll always ask the person for that. It seems like, from what we've said so far, it seems like a very professional relationship. You know, there's no money changes hands. There's no commissions changing hands either way. It's just... You respect what Warren does to get the job done for his client. He respects what you have to do to get the job done for your client. And you know, hopefully everyone's a win-win at the end. Yeah, and particularly in a hot market too. Um, so the benefit of the pre-approval, uh, David's going to take those buyers more seriously than someone who hasn't even commenced um, ascertaining their borrowing capacity. So if in the buyer's best interest, they need to be pre-assessed or pre-approved. Mm. Um so that's the importance of having a pre-approval. Everyone, before they fall in love with the property, they need to know are they looking in the right price range, can they afford the repayments, are they credit worthy? And, and that's where if they haven't been measured, David will send them to me, um, but it will strengthen their negotiations. Well, the amount of time was that you've done Saturday night phone call appointments for me because I've had a buyer that has fallen in love and we've got multiple buyers and they're just they're so far behind in that process that was all do a telephone or sometimes face-to-face. You know, the last few years were, were, were different with COVID. But, uh, and then they'll get that degree of confidence. Of course, yeah. they've still got to validate all of the things that they've told him. But within an hour, he can often give them the degree of confidence that they can start competing for the property. Yeah. So it can mean the difference between getting it and not. Yeah. Because I think the other thing is you've got to uh, – everyone's got to understand out there that not everyone knows everything about every industry. So you, was you're an expert with home loans and, and brokerage – David, you're an expert with 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 get, buying your property and selling your property. So, but someone comes in and goes, "Oh yeah, I'm really I'm an engineer or I'm a lawyer." It doesn't mean they know heaps about buying property, you know. So there's always sort of you got to lean on these experts. Although they do always seem to know <laughs> someone at work who knows all about home loans, <laughs> <laughs> um, or even mean, worse, down at the footy club. Yeah. yeah, or someone you know the other coach at the footy junior footy club told me, you know, yeah. I actually, when I meet new people at a barbecue or a party and they ask what I do, I don't say I'm a mortgage broker anymore because invariably someone will say, what's your best interest rate? And I'll say, well, this is a great rate out there. And one bloke will put his hand up and go, oh, I've got a 1.1% rate. 
and unfortunately, they don't have their statement with them, so I can't argue with them. <laughs> yeah, they, look, people um, often get it wrong in lending, and the importance of having a trusted professional handling their finances, it's like the trusted health professional. Yep. You get a good one, you build the relationship, and you don't let them go. And, and it's the same with the agent. Uh, every great real estate agent has got a good pest inspector, a good building inspector, and a good mortgage guy. Yep, yep. Um, this gives you confidence, David, too, you know, to say, look... If you haven't got any advice in this area, I recommend you get some advice and here's someone that I can introduce you to. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Absolutely. Works well. Um, so pre-approval, somebody walks along. Uh, for anyone out there, our listeners, who, who doesn't understand what a pre-approval is, so we're talking about a, a bank who, uh, or a lending institution of some kind who have assessed that client's um, ability to loan the money and pay it back and they've sort of said, look, conditionally you're okay, but... There's kind of there's kind of a couple of different levels to that, isn't there, Warren? With um, with pre-approvals, it's sort of like your, your your finance side, but then there's the bit about the property, isn't there? That's right. Um, I had a, a real estate agent ring me a little while ago, um, and it wasn't one of my clients. She was calling about. She was picking my brain. She said, "If a client's pre-approved, why can't they make an unconditional offer?" And and in fact, I've had clients say that I want to get pre-approved so I can make an unconditional offer. There's still one piece of the jigsaw that hasn't been measured in that pre-approval. It's really half of the equation. Is the property suitable to the bank? The actual property itself. Yeah. And until we've seen a signed contract, we can't get evaluation done. And the bank doesn't know whether that property is suitable. So even with a pre-approval, it is in our, our world, perhaps not in the real estate agent's world, but in our world, it's desirable that it's subject to finance just so we can get the valuation done and check that last thing off. Yep, yep. And uh, the, the thing to understand, again, if people haven't been through this process and they're listening to the podcast, so the idea is, you know, you, you go off to your bank or your, or your broker um, and you come in and you say, yep, I'm okay to loan $500,000 because I've got this, you know, and I can afford to pay that back. So I'm looking at property worth $500,000 plus stamp duties, whatever. So you go in and then you're pre-approved for that amount. But we've got to understand too that the market is, you know, that mar- that property might be marketed at five hundred, but the bank valuation may only see it at Four sixty, yeah. so sometimes that can sort of change things a little it's bit. It's more than that, Gav. And clients have said it to me when I said, "Make your offer subject to finance because we really need to get it valued." Yeah. Oh, nothing to worry about. This will value. I'm getting a bargain. It'll value what I've paid for it. That's only one aspect. Yeah. The valuation reports are sometimes twelve pages long. Yep. There are risk ratings. There's is it too close to train lines? Um, we had one client um, that we helped out. They were initially knocked back by their bank in Bickford Road in, in Marshall because it was too close to the train line. At that point in time, there's only two trains a day. But, um, you know, it's, it's... It's future value. One yeah. Says, yeah. Prone to flooding, um, environmental issues. One of the first loans I ever wrote... Buyer risk. Yeah. A young couple wanted to buy a property and there was a petrol tank buried in the backyard. Like... You know, the most obscure things doesn't happen often, but if the valuation falls down, it's an unconditional contract. The consequences are immense. Just just for our listeners, David, um, Warren's talking about an unconditional offer. Can you just yeah. explain what that is, just for our listeners? Yeah, well, I mean, there's a lot of special conditions and general conditions in a contract of sale, but typically the ones we talk about when we talk about unconditional, it's, it's not subject to finance. It's not subject to the sale of a property, for example, or subject to a building and pest. But usually when people start talking about unconditional, it's with respect to finance. Yep. If, they're t- if they're isolating one of those things, it's with respect to finance. So yep. uh, what that does is it places all of the risk on the purchaser that if they can't get finance, then they will, one, forfeit their deposit if they fail to settle. Which can be a lot of money. Could be well, it could $50,000, $100,000. $100, yeah. 
So they'll forfeit that. And then they risk being sued by the vendor for the selling costs uh, that they might incur in selling it again. And if they sell the property for less, they can sue them for the difference as well. Yep. Not many people, I think, would go down that path because they'll be that burnt by the time the 90-day settlements come around, it's fell over. No one feels good about taking someone else's money from misfortune. It's just a really messy situation that can be avoided by having the protection of that finance clause. Yep. And I know, wasn't I had one not that long ago with a commercial building that had uh, some combustible materials on the exterior that the Ah, bank, the valuer, didn't like it. And it delayed us by about six months. Yep. that we could not have foreseen that, and if the buyer didn't have the protection of the finance clause, they would have been a bit in a bit of hot water. In a bit of hot water. We, we probably should have one of the conveyances in here talking about this stuff. Um, was shouldn't we? But that's obviously covered here at Mulcane Co. as well. The conveyancing around, you know, getting your property bought and settled with a legal representative too. Yeah. So where David and I can really mutually benefit the customer is clearly the least number of conditions in their offer, the stronger their offer. So some clients might want a building inspection, they, you know, a certain settlement date, and they, they might have a list of conditions. The smaller the list, stronger the offer. I'll have the client where they're passionate, they, they want the property, they can't sleep until they know they've got the property, um, and particularly in the market that we've had, there might be a lot of competition. So my role will be to help the clients to make their strongest offer possible, um, which would hopefully be one condition subject to finance at the end of the day. And then that gives David confidence. So I say finance will be fine, genuine offer, and he, it gives him something really strong to present to his vendor. And you know, and sometimes with those offers too, I, I don't know what David feels about this, but I'll often coach my clients into not making an offer that's a round number. So how much are you willing to pay for this property? We would go to eight twenty. So let's make it eight twenty one eight eight eight. Because the risk is if you go eight twenty, eight ten, eight hundred, a round number, someone else might make the same offer. And then it's a raffle. So let's make an obscure number. No chance that someone else is going to have the exact same number slightly above that 10. So everything we can do to help strengthen their offer, which then helps David do his job in presenting it to the the vendor. That's right. I'll just turn that into 8.30 then and we're away. (laughs) (laughs) That's uh, that's my job and that's where the dance is. Sure, It is a dance and it's fun. It's a good part of the job. Yeah, yeah. But it's good advice from Warren because the other buyer might... It, you know, might only be $1,800 apart, may not have another move to make. Yeah, yep. Uh, and it could be the, the difference between winning and losing. So the backhanded compliment to David, I love telling my clients that they should sell their property through David. I cringe when my clients want to buy a property through David because <laughs> I know he's going to get the best price. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to be paying the uh, what, what they need to pay for yeah, that property. There's plenty of agents I could tell them to buy a house from where they get a bargain, but... I always get nervous when David's selling to my clients. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they feel the burden one end and the benefit the other. Yeah, exactly. Um, it probably segues us into the um, second topic that I wanted to talk about, David and Warren, was the conditions of offer. So sometimes, as we've just mentioned and touched on there, pre-approvals is, is one or a pre-assessment of your finance with your broker. Um, having a list, maybe it's you want to get a builder to look through the property for the foundations, make sure it's all good. Pest for things like termites. Um, yeah, there might be. A, you might want to do a um, cultural. If it's land development, maybe a cultural. You know, some sort of a you know uh, uh, investigation in there. So there's those conditions of offer can really be a catalyst about whether you get that property or not as the buyer, or whether you're going to sell it to the to the buyer. Well, absolutely. If you're if you have a long list of conditions, you might be subject to sale. We're seeing a lot more of that in the, in the current market. Did you just expl- explain that quickly yeah, for sure. us? Subject yeah. to sale. Mum and dad want to buy a new property. 
they might be downsizing, but they need to sell the family home first. Right. Uh, so they want the protection of a subject to sale clause so that in the event their property doesn't sell, they're not committed to their purchase. And of course, a subject to sale clause could be quite a long one, couldn't it? Because well, yeah. that other property's got to go on the market, be marketed, achieve what we're talking about today, pre-approvals, get buyers in, negotiate a sale, get it settled. And so, yeah, those, I can imagine a subject to sale is quite a long clause, isn't it? It's, it's yeah. right up there with one of the worst conditions, I think, because yeah. you're transferring all of the risk on to the vendor. Yep, just like um, the unconditional contract puts correct. all the risk back on the buyer. Yeah, yeah. that's right. So yep. uh, the risk is that there might be a four or six-week period for the purchaser to sell their home and they fail to sell it. Yep. And then you're back to square one. You've got to refund their deposit and start again. You've lost yep. momentum in the current market, four and six weeks, could be 50000 Another interest rate rise or two could come in. Yeah. Uh, who knows? So it, it is, it's the least desirable, I yep. think, yep. Of, of all conditions. But I understand why certain buyers, particularly downsizers, might need the protection from that. They can't go and borrow the difference if their property doesn't achieve what they thought it would. Yeah, sure. And what are the other sort of main conditions of offer that you see? Yeah, the, the building and pest are really common ones. Yep. Um, they only become a problem for a buyer in the presence of an unconditional buyer. If yep. they're competing, and, and that's the difference, uh, in which case we'd probably educate them to get one done out of contract, like get it done as quickly as possible, then you know exactly what you're buying, you've got that peace of mind, but then you can actually offer unconditionally. Yep. Because uh, if, if they're a very close offer, then the vendors might even accept a slightly lower offer okay. that's unconditional because so there's no risk. So it's potentially the price can sometimes become a bit secondary. Absolutely. Um, because if, if we're talking sort of a few thousand here and a few thousand there, sometimes the, the money can become secondary, can't it, to the conditions? Because if there's someone coming along saying, unconditional offer at 520, someone says, oh, I've got all these conditions, I'll give you 540, they go, that's the vendor weighing up that $20,000 that I might get, but I might not because there's all these conditions on the that's exactly right. So, yeah. yeah, and you know, a building inspection clause or doing a building inspection is a really good idea, yep. whether it's two years old or twenty years old. Yeah, you want to know what you're buying. Yeah, okay. we've seen some. Yeah, we've seen some uh, some not so old buildings. You know, have some issues, as you said, like things like cladding. You know, flammable cladding's been one of them. We had a first home buyer last year, and it must have been a, a do-it-yourself plumbing job by the, the previous vendor. Um, toilet waste came up through the shower. Which oh, was wow. very unpleasant, yeah. and cost the young guy eight thousand in getting the plumbing rectified. Yep, can be quite a bit expensive thing. So, yeah, it's just a matter of that. Yeah, that conditions of offer. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because sometimes it becomes the the conditions on the offer become more important than the offer. Well, yeah, especially when you're competing with someone who doesn't have those conditions. Yeah, and, yeah. and that quite often is how people miss out. If they need to be subject to X, Y, or Z, and the other guy's not, well, you're just not going to win. No, no. Yep. And, and this can be a great thing where Dave and I have this relationship which helps our clients again. Um, he might have a client who says they're pre-approved through the bank branch. Yep. But I would say, look, um, they're pre-approved through me. Dave will have more confidence. Is uh, We've seen many, sadly, we've seen many occasions, and there's a couple of uh, reviews on our Facebook page from clients that have been in this position where the bank pre-approved them and then reneged. So David knows if I say it's pre-approved, there's no reneging. This is this is genuine. Yep. This yeah, it's going to happen. Touch wood. You can probably hear me touching it, but uh, <laughs> I've never had one fall through. Never yep. had a, a finance deal fall through, uh, and that comes down to the confidence that we place in Was and his team. Yep. But even if it's outside of that, like other people have, you know, their own relationships with banks or whatnot, we still vet them to the degree that Do we the have a level diligence. of confidence. Yeah. Correct. Uh, 
Yeah. We've never had one fall through yet, was. I think I mentioned perhaps in a previous podcast about a guy who's done a review on our Facebook page. His name's Brendan. You can look it up. And his bank, a major bank, told him for weeks that he was, he was right to go pre-approved. And then 11 days before settlement, wouldn't approve his loan. Right, so it kind of went, well, unconditional, yeah. like the yeah. contract it, was going to happen. In fact, forgive, was forgive me, happen. it wasn't 11 days. It was six days. He came into our office on the Friday and it was to settle the following Thursday. We'd never met him before. We got him approved and settled one day late. So we settled the following Friday. Only met him the previous Friday. Um, we got him a better rate than his major bank was going to offer him if they'd approved his loan. Um, and we negotiated for the late settlement fees of one day to be waived as well. And he wrote a lovely review on our Facebook page. So there's an example of, you know, someone can say, oh, we're pre-approved. <laughs> he was pre-approved by his bank branch and fell through. And yep. I had a, another bank, uh, not such a major bank, but with branches in Geelong, who rang me and referred me their client because they told him he, would be, he was pre-approved. He paid his deposit, unconditional, and then they couldn't lend him the money. Yep. So it does happen. It just doesn't happen to us. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's that idea of that pre-approval, like I know banks like to call it, I know you call it a pre-assessment, um, was with your clients that you're doing a really thorough pre-assessment yeah. on their finance to make sure that they are can confidently go to an open house with David and buy that property. The difference between pre-assessment and pre-approval, um, every time a client makes an application to a bank, it affects their credit score. So if I've got an A-plus client and... The bank ex expects me to pre-assess them. We don't just fill in forms, send off and wonder what's going to happen next. We, we know the outcome. Um, if it's a vanilla deal, A+, plus, no issues, credit rating's good we, because we do the credit check on them, uh, their income's good, their employment's stable and they've got a deposit, we'll often um, uh, discourage them sorry, from um, doing a pre-approval. We know it's going to get approved. I don't need the bank to give me a bit of paper to, to reaffirm that. The benefit of that is they can go out looking for a property and we haven't hit their credit report. Um, clients I saw last night, um, we did do a proper pre-approval because they were adamant that's what they wanted. It's now expired. Right, so it only lasts a certain amount of days. Yeah. yeah. So last night we had the discussion of, well, do we reignite it? Another hit on their credit report. I discouraged them. I said, well, we A, know that the bank will lend you the money because we've previously, recently been pre-approved six months ago. Nothing's changed, no children, no extra debts, employment hasn't changed, income's gone up, deposit's gone up, zero doubt that I'll get them approved again. So they agreed that they've got their trust in me this time, we're not now going to do another pre-approval. So if they make an offer and the agent says, are you pre-approved, we are pre-assessed. That's the difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's taking into account a lot of those different things that, yeah, potentially the local branch isn't taken into account. So, mm. yeah, it's really good advice. And then we'd sure. normally coach that client to say, look, so tell, tell the agent you're pre-assessed. That'll give them confidence. Tell them you're using me because, um, thankfully, I've, I've got a pretty good reputation after 25 years in Geelong. And um, just say you want to get the, the property valued, you, perhaps seven-day finance clause, so I've got a week to get the property valued and get you fully approved. If the agent pushes you back on it, just say, look, if you're selling me a fair price and a fair property, there won't be a problem. Is there anything I need to worry about? And usually the agent will say, oh, no, no, the property's great, it'll value up, then there's no issue. Yeah, yeah. It's a fait accompli. Yeah, absolutely. Now, it's, it's, it's a sort of a, it's a big industry, really, real estate. Like, I'm sort of thinking of, trying to think from the outside in, listening to you go, two guys talk, saying, look, there's this whole sort of buying, selling, you know, arena that the agent's got to deal with, and there's the whole finance arena that was has got to deal with. And in between all that, there's the, 
the building inspector and the pet inspector and you know all that this different sort of stuff that goes on this kind of feels like it's an industry where there's a you need a lot of good advice you know or you need some people in your corner otherwise it's going to be hard to navigate it and very very stressful with all of that going on and then you add to it the, the emotions that the clients just really want that property and again this is where a relationship like I have with David and other real estate agents in Geelong um it's about communication and yep. trying to reduce that stress as much as possible. Yep. Um, and I know, you know, David, with his honesty, with the amount of communication, when he sold my properties, I don't have to chase him up at four o'clock on a Saturday to see how the open went. He's come back to me straight after the open with feedback. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that just makes it so much more painless, the whole transaction. And the other thing is it becomes stressful because of the amount of money involved, David, isn't it? You know, well, it's a big deal. I think even the best or the smoothest campaigns are stressful for yeah. homeowners. Uh, yeah. Uncertainty creates a feeling of unease. Exactly. And you never know until you've done it. Mm. You can think, okay, we're 1 to 1.1, we're hoping for the top, the buyer will hope for the bottom, we might land in the middle, but you will not know until it's done. Yes. Uh, and a day on the market feels like a month. It really does distort time. Yeah. Uh, add in their potentially financial pressure or marital issues. Well, I was going to say, sometimes people are selling the property not purely because, oh, well, we're going to move on to something great. It's because of a divorce or there's a de- been a death or something. So you're not always catching people at the ideal time of their life either. So there's that added stress to that as well. Yeah. And you'll get a lot of agents who will tell the clients what they want to hear to get the listing. And I, I heard from one of David's cl- clients last night, she was frustrated because he wouldn't tell her the figure that she wanted to hear that he would get. <laughs> you know, because he doesn't know. No. You know, for every house there's a buyer, but what price that buyer will pay is determined by the markets, not determined by David. His negotiation skills will play a part in it. And yeah, how he markets it, yeah. how he yeah, does he so conducts I, himself yeah, throughout I, the whole campaign. Yeah. I had to reassure the client that David doesn't know what price he'll get, but what confidence I can give you is David will get the best price possible. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. At, at that point in time, we're, we're you know, it's not an exact science, real estate. We use our best skill and care and, and yep. market knowledge in coming up with pricing. Yep. But ultimately, we're trying to determine what someone we don't know will do at a certain point in time yep. with their money. I'd love to give a great example. Um, some friends of mine, um, their mother's well into her 80s and had a, a property for sale, a large property, and a developer was knocking on her door loudly and hard. Um, they nearly accepted the developer's offer, and then I introduced David. Now, remember, there's no kickbacks, there's no commission. Um, I put my clients first, as David does, and so I recommended David to help my client. He achieved an extra $1.1 million for this lady from the same developer. Really? Just purely for getting in there with the negotiation skills and Correct, yeah. understanding the market. Yeah, that's a huge... Effort. Isn't that fantastic? That's a great story. And yeah. as I said, I could write a book of stories, but this is what a great professional in real estate does and... You know, in every industry, there are those professionals, but it's a matter of finding them and then holding on to them. Absolutely. Now they're great, great stories, gents. No, that's been um, been really good. I wanted to um, just go sideways a bit, minute, um, Dave, because everyone asks you this every day of the week. But let's. I just wanted to ask you about some general commentary on the the Geelong property market. You know, what are we yeah, seeing sure. at the moment? Say both residentially and commercially. Commercially is really, really strong. Is it? Uh, yeah. yeah, I don't think it's ever been hotter than it is. We admittedly don't do a lot in our business. 
But, you know, like industrial sheds that might have been getting 2,000 a square metre five years ago are up to four or 5,000 per square metre. Wow. Which is not great for the rental yields. I mean, some of these sales are now, are now getting rental yields of 27 to 3.7%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so as, an, as an investor, if you're buying that for your business and you want to open up your business there, happy days. But if you're just buying it as an investment and you're looking at the dollars, the percentage return... Counting on the capital growth at the yeah. moment, not so much the rental yield. Yeah. Well, there's the capital growth. There's also the residential tenancies are becoming a bit trickier for rental providers that we used to call landlords. So a lot of people are moving out of the residential market. Yeah, landlords has co- kind of become a bit of an old word, hasn't it? It is, yeah. Rental providers, residential rental providers, we call yeah. them now. Yep. But, you know, it's a little bit tougher for them out there and as interest rates go up, their cost base goes up and rents are going with it. It's a very competitive market. Yeah, sure. Rental's really competitive. But, uh, you know, they're, they're saying that as a risk and if they can get a five-year commercial lease, why wouldn't they? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I suppose there's the added benefits for um, commercial and that, you know, the tenant might pay the rates and some of those outgoings as well. Yeah, that's right. They yeah. might even do a really nice fit-out that you get to keep, depending on the lease. So yes. it's, uh, it's it's not a set and forget, but it's a lot closer to that than residential. Uh, but in terms of the general market, I, I think it's a little bit of a two-speed market. We've got a lot of sensitivity around price at the, the second homeowners or the, the upsizers. You know, they might have been thinking about it for six, 12 months, as people often do, yep. uh, between idea and Big development. Decision. And so decision. take their yep. time, yeah. But their capacity to borrow has diminished considerably yes. in that period. So they were looking at the million-dollar home, but now they can't buy the million-dollar home. They're down to the 800, which is too similar to their current home, so they choose not to do it or they might renovate their existing property. On the flip side of that, the really high-end stuff, your three, four million beautiful lifestyle-type properties are really, really popular. Yep. So they're performing, performing really well. I think we are seeing some of the internationals come back. We've met a lot of Sri Lankan medical people in the last month uh, we, we love working with them. They're beautiful people and they're coming back into our region. We welcome them back. But, uh, you know, the people that have the capacity to buy those are pretty well insulated from the interest rate rises and those yeah. inflation pressures. It, yeah, it's less of a concern for them at that level. Yeah, right. yep. And in general, the Geelong property market has increased sort of since the start of COVID. Oh, sounds, yeah, it's you know, I think, was it CBA? Or maybe I shouldn't name names. But uh, I think somebody put out a report, you know, that at the start of COVID that property prices could plummet. I say could. Uh, they give all the scenarios right, but could plummet 30%. And I think we saw a 30% increase uh, during that period. So that's 60% wrong. You know, So a yeah. lot of people are complaining <laughs> about the market. It has softened yeah. to a degree, uh, without a doubt. But I'd describe it as being volcanic hot, and now it's come back to really good. Yep. Uh, and if, you've, if you're on a diet and you lost 10 kilos, you wouldn't get too upset if you put one back on. Yes. Uh, so people need to not look at the relativity of six months ago to now, and look at six years ago to now where their property might have doubled. And that is really the real estate game, isn't it? You know, it's not a game where you can sort of flip something around in six months and make some money. Um, It really is a longer game than that, isn't it? That's right. Mm. And, you know, you haven't made a loss until you've sold anyway. Um, But as far as a loss, the media likes to talk about, you know, the downside and... You've spoken about the dollar forty yeah. experts in the past, was yeah, it? With the Herald Sun, <laughs> people buy people buy the Herald Sun for two dollars seventy, and they're suddenly an expert. Yeah. Um, and the media sells bad news much easier than they sell good news, so they want to talk about the sky falling. But you know, someone who our first home buyers who got into their first home two years ago, three years ago at six hundred thousand, and and four months ago it valued at eight fifty. Today it's getting valued at eight thirty five. Well, there's still 235 in front. Yeah. So there's officially a decline there, but over that six-year period... They um, wish they'd bought three of them yeah. three years ago. Yeah, well, exactly. I've sold three pop- properties this year, residential properties, that had doubled inside four years. Yeah. Oh, really? 
Yep. Yep. I sold it to the client and I sold it for them for twice as much. Yeah. You know, you're 26 years old and you've got equity of $600,000 behind you. Yeah, that's amazing. It's the sort of thing that their parents did in their entire lifetime. Yeah. So it, the opportunity was immense. Yeah, it can period. be there. And, uh, and if yeah. they say, look, we, we could have sold our house six months ago for eight fifty. now we can only get eight thirty. Well, the million-dollar property might be selling for nine fifty. You, you buy and sell in the same market. It doesn't matter. And everyone needs to be mindful. Any homeowner in the last five years has made money whilst they've slept. Geelong's a very robust place as far as the property market goes. We've become far more desirable. We've shaken our sleepy hollow tag. We've got a great football team that, that's forging ahead. And every year after year, they keep turning up in the finals. It's a happy place to be. And it's a beautiful place to be, Geelong. Yep. The city by the bay, and we're quite immune, I think, to any significant rate, uh, sorry, property price drops. That's my opinion. Um, the bottom line is people have got to live somewhere. Yep. You know, some of my first home buyers have had these discussions with me in the last month that, you know, I'm worried about, you know, our property value. Um, certainly the lower house, the first home buyer's home, a six hundred or $500,000 home, can't go south. People have got to live somewhere. They and are the bottom of the market, so that's where we've got to start. Yeah. Yeah. And if someone's not buying their, their $600,000 home to live in, an investor will, will buy it and rent it out. Yep. So um, I, I think what David said I'd concur with absolutely that the one that might be most at the threat is that second, third home buyer. That around that one, they might have bought a place in Geelong West at 135 and really stretched themselves with a $900,000 mortgage. Rates got 2.5%. They're feeling the pinch. Yeah, yeah, yep. but the bottom end is well protected. Geelong overall, I think, is well protected because we are such a desired place to be. And I think the thing about um, Geelong as a regional uh, regional city, very large regional city, kind of basically metro these days, but is that yeah, you're insulated a little bit from those because in property you almost don't want the huge spikes because then you're going to end up with a huge um, downturn as well. So you want it to slowly build over a long top period of time and build that equity. You know, so that's what that sort of real estate being the, the long game. And Geelong's been good at that over the years, of rising steadily rather than sharply and then falling sharply. Yeah, absolutely. And the listeners can't see the graph behind me there, but uh, it, time tells a story. You know, if we say that property doubles every seven to ten years on average, you've got to look at that over multiple yeah. decades. But it's better to be uh, the time in the market than timing the market. Absolutely. Think of it as a graph with a line on a graph that starts at the bottom and goes over the period of time to the yeah. top. With flat periods and times where it might drop 1%, and perhaps this year, perhaps the market will drop in some sub- suburbs 1% or 2%, but then it goes up 8 or 12 or 13 um, My father taught me something when I was only a teenager, and if you get 7% capital growth on your investment, if your house goes up 7% on average every year, it doubles every 10 years. Or conversely, if you can get 10% capital growth per annum, It'll double every seven years. I love that little rule of thumb. So yeah, it's great, isn't it? And, and I think, look, if people listen to this and they're in Dimboola or they're in, you know, um, Mount Barker in South Australia, that they may not get that seven percent. So there's different suburbs and different cities, but as we've just said today, Geelong is one of those that seems to be sort of constantly on the move. There's a lot of, you know, I know there's a big infrastructure stuff happening down here as well from a government point of view. So always um, sort of onward and upward and looking positive, isn't it, David? Yeah, so. Geelong's a fantastic place. It's uh, really just the beginning as well you know you've only got to look around see the amount of tower cranes in Geelong yeah 15 years ago you would have said whatever yeah yeah and we never never a tower crane and they're everywhere yeah yeah it's a really exciting place lots of stuff happening isn't there yeah Yeah, Dave and I were talking before and we agreed that um 
property prices really have been very stable in Geelong with these rate rises. Perhaps the only change in 2022, um, late 2022, is the urgency with buyers, the fear of missing outs perhaps dissipated a fair bit. Um, certainly my numbers here with lending, you know, we're st- we did $360 million in home loans last year and, and we're on track to hit that again this year. So our volumes haven't dropped, just the urgency's gone and I welcome that. It's the most relaxed you'll ever hear me. <laughs> yeah, buyers have had it pretty tough for a few years. So it's Yeah, because they've had to compete all the time. Yeah, well, they have, the and they've bit. had to make million-dollar decisions in 10 minutes. Yeah, so yeah. It's not yeah. really that fair. So it's good no. that they've got a bit of power back. I'd like to try and take a little bit back off them because uh, when they've got it all, then it's, it's against us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, it is good that they can make considered decisions yeah. and uh, do their due diligence and or work out exactly where they want yeah, to be. Yeah, get those conditions sorted. Make sure they're making a good long-term financial decision, as we said. Property is a bit of a long game, so you know those ten-minute decisions. You know you can avoid them if you can. So yeah, sometimes they need that though, because the absence of that urgency, they do nothing. Yes, they get yeah. this analysis paralysis. Oh no, we'll just time it. We'll just time it. We'll just Think time about it. it. And I'm like, well, you'll only know when it's corrected mm. or come back up. Yeah, after it's happened. Absolutely. So which yeah. pain do you want? Yes. Now I think I think everyone knows someone that's been on the look for about three years. Yeah. I think if you had bought it three years ago, you'd be well ahead. So, yeah. now that's great. Thanks, gents, for the talk today. I think that's been a really valuable podcast. David, can I just um, ask how our listeners get in touch with you if they're interested in some property in Geelong? Yeah, sure. If they jump on villarosa.com.au, that's V I L A R O S A.com.au, they'll find multiple ways to contact us through there. They can do text messages, emails, find our phone number. Just do it digitally. You're digitally. A, you're writing yes. it as digital. That's don't good. send me a letter. <laughs> <laughs> don't send a letter or a fax. You probably don't even have a fax machine these days. So What's that? A fax machine. What is that? <laughs> uh, no, no, that we do good. not. Never have and never will. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, But even don't, t- don't just turn up at the office. We're never yeah. there. We're on the road selling things. Yes, absolutely. Fair enough. Thanks, Warren, for your time today. Pleasure, Gavin. Go, and, uh, go Cats. Eh? I was going to say, final word for the finals this weekend. I'll be waving to David from the box at the MCG to him in the outer on Friday night. Yes. But we'll both be cheering loud. You're both Cats fans. That's yes. interesting. We have gone to we games. We just lost half season. of our listeners just then. <laughs> yeah. Now, go Cats. They're looking pretty good, I reckon. Oh, it's so good for Geelong as well. People yeah. are up and about. And, uh, you know, obviously good for the team. Yeah. But it's, I think, the greater community benefits from Absolutely. their success. Yeah. It's like a um, a farming town having you know the farmers are having a good year around them you know the good it's a good crop year so it's good yield. David so. and I have gone to a few home games at Geelong this year with his son Austin. I hope Austin listens to this podcast. He's a, he's a lovely boy, although every time Geelong kicks a goal, his stomach rumbles and makes a loud noise. <laughs> it uh, yeah, we're passionate supporters, so that's good. Well, good luck to the Cats Friday night, and thanks to you two gentlemen for your time. Thanks, thanks so much, Gavin. Thanks, thanks David. You've been listening to the FS360 podcast brought to you by Mulcahy Co. Financial Security 360 is at the centre of what we do at Mulcahy Co. If you'd like to speak to one of our professionals about a range of individual and business needs, give us a call.